Welcome to the awesome pod mix you are listening to Abby the idea behind this podcast was to talk about how certain movies and tv shows made me feel when i watched them for the very first time a reputed filmmaker once said when a piece of art invokes a similar feeling amidst a large audience it's the triumph of the filmmaker that's the magic of cinema i love the magic of cinema today i'll be talking about the third episode of marvel studios secret invasion Whether Marvel creates movies or TV shows they are all cinematic. This episode's title is Betrayed written by Roxanne Paradis and Brian Tucker. The episode is directed by Ali Salim. It's the fifth series to have a Kevin Feige production credit after Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk Attorney at Law. The episode begins with Pagan briefing Zerxu and Beto on their mission. They are going to infiltrate the naval service of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. As much as I could comprehend their officer names were Connor, Tom and Dave. Beto is skeptical if the plan would work but Pagan wants him to have faith. Their plan is to execute a strike on a key United Nations target. Gravik reveals his super scroll plan to the council members. We see a shot of the Daltons experimenting. The wall has a framed article with a headline, Scientists make new DNA discovery. The dry erase board reads reamputation strategy. Maybe it's from the extremist sample. Gravik wants to share the super scroll parts with the council members. I'm petrified to even think of the consequences. The title sequence begins. The text appears New York City 1998. It's a rainy night. Nick Fury enters a diner and finds Priscilla. It's Vara disguised as Priscilla. She hands over the information about Drakov. Drakov was the villain in Black Widow. He ran the red room where Black Widow assassins were trained and brainwashed. Nick Fury doesn't want to get involved with a co-worker because of the rules. Vara clarifies she doesn't work for Nick Fury anymore. So Nick Fury knowingly married a Skrull and didn't help them find a home. Damn, the audacity on this guy. Back to present day whichever day that is, Stearns on TV is spreading fear through his news. Nick Fury is making breakfast for his wife and himself. Priscilla pours Nick some coffee. She now asks Nick Fury wondering what made him come back to her. It's not that he went away once he returned from the snap, it's the choice he made to stay away. Nick Fury checks with his wife if she was in touch with Kravik when he was gone. Priscilla doesn't appreciate being questioned like this. Nick Fury has the nerve to ask Priscilla who she became in his absence. Her answer, she became a widow in his absence. She grieved. She tried to move on. When he returned, she thought she would unpack the pain of separation together. But Fury did no such thing. He vanished voluntarily. So she became who she was before she met him. Marital problems, Fury? trouble in paradise i suggest you get couples counseling that would help you with talos as well priscilla gets a call nick fury wants her to take the call he turns around to give her some privacy i mean he can hear everything once she's done with the call she kisses him and leaves fury stares at the phone he's all kinds of suspicious back at the new scrollos gravik wakes gaia up Gravik says that Brogan couldn't have confessed about the location of their safe house. Gaia's reasoning is that under torture Brogan made an educated guess. Gravik is not convinced. He asks her what would she have done? 
She replies she would have lied she's a good liar. Girl, he's testing you. He has his full suspicion on you. Gravik keeps staring at Gaia. Gaia doesn't flinch. The following morning, they fly to London. Gaia drives Gravik. Why is she always his chauffeur? Gravik reveals Talos has asked him for a parley. And apparently, they're meeting about Gaia. Gravik gets a call about a UN plane being in range of Neptune's coordinates at 2200 hours. Gaia drops Gravik at London's National Portrait Gallery. Gaia uses a very old phone and types, Flight 819 Neptune, 2200 hours. Girl, that's a trap. How can you not see that? He's already suspicious of you. Inside London's National Portrait Gallery, the scene begins with close-ups of statesmen of World War I oil painting by Sir James Guthrie. Talos joins Gravik. Gravik expresses his disappointment because the statesmen pose for paintings while soldiers like him help them win their wars for them. In a choice between oil and ink, Gravik would choose his story to be written in blood all day long. Talos responds, Yours and everyone else's, huh? Gravik with pride, yeah. Talos says, brave. They walk toward the seating area. The area is covered with posters of masterpieces of tapestry and the faces of freedom. Talos wants Gravik to stand down and stop murdering innocent humans. Talos offers to have an honor meeting, which I guess is a duel with knives. Gravik asks Talos if he wants to say hello to Gaia. Gravik wants Talos to be grateful that he hasn't sent Gaia back in a body bag. Tread lightly, Gravik. Tread very lightly. Talos grabs Gravik's collar and everyone around them shapeshifts into Gravik. So they are surrounded by fellow Skrulls. Gravik signals them to stand down so they shapeshift back into their human form. Gravik wants to murder all of humankind. Talos says, You don't know the first thing about humans. They are at their most formidable when they are threatened by a common foe. Amen, sister. Amen. Talos threatens Gravik that he'll blow their cover. Talos tries to explain the difference between him and Gravik. Gravik provokes Talos using Gaia's name again. Talos uses the butter knife on the table and stabs Gravik's hand. He then goes on to choke him, saying he better keep Gaia's name out of his mouth. Talos leaves and we see Gravik use his extremist healing abilities. Damn, he's already a super scroll. Outside the gallery, an older man bumps into Talos and hands over a phone. Gravik steps out of the gallery and sees the older man walking ahead. He's unable to catch up because a car blocks his way. Once Gravik crosses the cars blocking his way, we can see the older man on the phone a little ahead of Gravik's car. He's talking on the phone now. We know the person who handed over the phone to Talos was Gaia disguised as the older man. Talos is now having an English breakfast in a diner. Fury walks in the same diner and approaches Talos. Talos accuses Nick Fury of being shameless. Fury really mistreated Talos on the train. And that was just yesterday? After all this, Fury has the balls to come to Talos to ask for help. Nick Fury denies that he's come to ask for help. Fury's got a lead on a rebel scroll high up in the US government and he's in London. So Talos asks, what does Nick Fury want him to do? Because as per Talos, Nick Fury thinks it means... Talos should just sort of leap up and take opportunity to just help him like that. Talos says, 
those days are gone so i'm going to need you to you know use your words say the words nick fury reacts like he still doesn't get it telos obliges him with some words help me telos because i'm useless without you nick fury sighs and repeats those words telos puts his hand over at fury's hand for assurance and leaves the diner they bicker like an old married couple Talos shares Gaia's information about Neptune with Nick Fury. Nick Fury knows whom to call. Ghostbusters. Kidding, Sonya Falsworth. Even Sonya wants an apology from Nick Fury, but Fury already gave out the only one he had. Sonya found the bug planted on the hoot by Fury. The owl has a new name now, Nicholas Fury. Sonya makes the owl wear a dashing little iPad just like Fury. At the moment Sonya can't help Nick Fury because she's dealing with her own infiltration. Though she gives him a name, Robert Fairbanks and also sends in the details. The day transitions to night. Nick Fury tries to make Talos feel remorseful saying he's been cleaning up his mess for 30 years. Talos reminds Fury that he started ascending the ranks once he had Talos and 19 of his people as his invisible spy network. And there was a whole lot of other things that helped Fury in doing what he did. Talos says, "You're a smart and capable guy, Fury. No one questions that. But you gotta admit your life got a hell of lot more charmed once I came into it. And do you know something? I don't even need to hear a bloody thank you from you. It was my pleasure, mate. Least you can do is not rewrite history when the guy who helped write it with you the first time is sitting right next to you." Talos has a very big heart. If I were in his place, I would have wanted a thank you and an acknowledgement. But it was such a powerful scene. Talos tries to tell Fury that he needs to value him. I am a Ben Mendelsohn fan now. He truly is a master at his craft. This performance of his will always be a frame of reference for me. Whenever I write my movie with a scene about acknowledging someone's value, this will be the performance I would want my actor to keep in mind. It's affirmative and self-assuring. He's hurt and wants to be acknowledged for his worth. I know my value. Anyone else's opinion doesn't really matter. Talos breaks into the house of Robert Fairbanks as Robert. He checks with Fury if he's in position. Fury wants Talos to worry about himself. Talos says, Do me a favor Fury, don't ever change. Such a romantic couple's line. One of the guards blows Talos's cover. Talos fights the guard while Nick Fury shoots the others in the lawn. All of the guards shapeshift back to their scroll form. Talos makes his way to Robert Fairbanks. When Talos opens the door, he spots Robert's son playing video game in his room. He leaves the door ajar. When Fury enters the house a few moments later, Talos on comms says, "Sorry, Nick, I was busy kicking Bob's arse." It's weird because he says Nick. Talos has learned his lesson during the events of Captain Marvel. Nick Fury enters Bob's room holding a gun to his son's head. Nick says, "Nobody calls me Nick, Bob. You guys are not even consistent with your own characters' lines." Tony Stark, Steve Rogers, Natasha Romanoff and Maria Hill have called him Nick. Most of them are dead barring Steve. Now Bob's son Zachary is not a scroll but Bob is worried about his well-being. Nick Fury threatens to shoot the child. The officers who received the order for the strike also think it's a mistake. 
Zachary is put in another room with his hands tied. Telos gives Zachary some water to drink. It shows he's caring. He tells Zachary that he wants his dad to do the right thing. Telos promises to protect Skrull Bob if he calls off the strike. Nick Fury suggests an idea. Taylor sarcastically responds, Why didn't I think of that idea? Because only he knows the code word. Fury shoots Bob in the leg. Skrull Bob calls Talos a shell of a general and a traitor. He even calls Gaia a spineless traitor feeding them information. Talos shoots Skrull Bob dead. Talos calls up Gaia for the code word. At the new Skrullo's base, Gaia makes her way to Robert Fairbanks' fracking pod. She scrubs through his memories and gets the code word Zachary. Talos tells Gaia to run. Talos makes the call as Bob and calls off the strike using the code word Zachary. Gaia makes a run for her life on a bike. Nick Fury wants to know why Talos didn't take Gravik's deal. Talos says, 30 years and you still don't know me better than that. I'm not with Gravik because I'm with you. Or I love you too. I love Ben Mendelsohn. He and Nick Fury are so much like a couple. Back at New Skrullos, Gaia notices that there's no one at the guard's post. Gravik turns on the car's lights that blind Gaia and make her bike skid. He reveals to her that all of it was a trap. Gravik wants her to turn around but Gaia wants him to question his decisions. He's not their leader but their worst enemy. Gravik shoots Gaia in the chest, she drops dead and shapeshifts back to her Skrull form. That form is awfully similar to what she looked like as a child in 1997 flashback. Gravik drives away. I don't buy that she's dead. Priscilla gets a call. We don't see her answering. She grabs some keys from the pot and steps out. She visits her bank to get her safety deposit box. There's a gun inside an envelope in the box. She gets a call again. She answers and the man on the line says, St. James Church 1R. Priscilla says, I need to speak to Gravik. The man on the line says, yeah, well, you're talking to me. The voice sounds awfully similar to Rhodey's. Don Cheadle was credited in the opening and the end credits despite not appearing on screen. Why? Because of this phone call voice. Despite Ben Mendelssohn's amazing performance, I was disappointed with this episode. We are halfway through the series and I can't figure what writing structure are they following. Let's see what happens in the remaining episodes. Until then, you can listen to the awesome pod mix and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts. If you like what I am doing, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash awesome pod mix. Thanks for listening.